DiscerningHearts.com presents Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is a professor of spiritual theology at Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He has formerly served as the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is the author of numerous books, including Heart of the Diaconate, Remain in Me, Spousal Prayer, and Listening for Truth. He has given more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats. Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Deacon Keating. Thank you. Deacon Keating, we have been exploring communion in prayer with Christ. And Jesus really does teach us how to pray. Christ is prayer among us, actually. He is prayer incarnate. Uh, The relationship between the persons in the Trinity are simply a relationship of prayer, of deep communion with one another. And so Christ is the incarnation of that communion that the persons of the Trinity have with one another. And he wants to invite us into that communion. The whole moment of salvation is, will we or will we not accept his invitation to come and follow him, to come his way? And his way is a way of deep listening, deep communion with the Father. He is the teacher of prayer par excellence, because he is prayer. The Catechism has such beautiful teachings and has such a way of breaking open this fullness that Jesus offers to us in prayer. I'm struck by paragraph 2608, which talks about the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus insists on conversion of heart. Conversion is the foundation of prayer. The more, uh, the more we appropriate our own conversion, the more effective our communion with Christ is going to be, the more real it's going to be. So unfortunately for human beings, the purification of the ego is a prerequisite for the deepening of our prayer life. And I say unfortunately because, as with all things spiritual, it means we're going to have to pass through uh, a rather difficult time of suffering. And that's all that conversion is speaking of, is relinquishing an attachment to realities that are beneath our dignity, and then reattaching through grace our will and our mind and our affections, reattaching these through grace to Christ. And because we have loved our sins for so long, that conversion uh, is painful. And so, unfortunately, this is the case with our fallen human nature. But when we entrust ourselves to Christ, Christ makes this a light burden. It will always be a burden to be converted by the truth and by love. But in him and through him and with him, it becomes a light burden. And so conversion, even though it's somewhat in the imagination ancillary to prayer, it is absolutely crucial for it to reach its depths. And so 2608 gives us some beautiful and startling uh, realities to just pause over for a moment so that we can understand Christ's mind on prayer. 
First of all, the author of the Catechism contextualizes the cause of conversion in the Sermon on the Mount. And the key focus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel is the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are not a new set of commandments. A lot of people interpret them this way, and you can see why this would be true, because of this sense of going up on the mountain like Moses did, and coming down with a new set of commandments. There is a framing, a shadow, so to speak, an echo of the Sermon on the Mount with receiving the Beatitudes and Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. But if we look at the the Beatitudes as new commandments, they will seem impossible to us. And uh, they seem impossible because, in fact, the Beatitudes are more the life of the Spirit that dwells within us than another set of commandments. It's an interiorization, an internalization of a relationship. In other words, if we become vulnerable to the Holy Spirit, we will begin to look like the Beatitudes. We don't take the Beatitudes and say, today I'm going to be blessed because I mourn. Or if we say, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, it's not as if we uh, get up in the morning and say, today I'm going to really struggle to be poor in spirit. Or in the Lucan version, uh, to be poor, literally poor. That's not what these are about. The Beatitudes, remember that it just means happiness. Our happiness is the result of allowing Christ and his Spirit to pray within us. If we allow Christ's Spirit to pray within us, we will become the Beatitudes. It's not another task to do. The Beatitudes are a gift to receive. If we move from our conversion and purification to an openness and a vulnerability, to the Spirit living His life over again in us. So the first point there in 2608 is that the editor or author of the Catechism takes us into the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus, it is true, does call us to conversion. And the first point that the Catechism makes is that we are to reconcile with those who we are struggling with. We are to love our enemies. We are to pray for persecutors. All of these traits, reconciling with our brother who might have hurt us, loving enemies, praying for our persecutors, all of these touch upon the heart of conversion and the very core of conversion, which is the crucifixion. Here we are very close intimacy with Jesus on the cross. From the cross, he's loving the world as the world is killing him. He is loving those who are killing him. He is, if you will, praying for their well-being from the very cross that they nailed him to. And this power to love the enemy, to uh, reconcile with a brother who has hurt us, and to pray for our persecutors is the very power of the cross. And this power of the cross is not something that is to be seen as a historical act in time. The power of the cross is present tense, or none of these virtues could ever be entered into by us. We could never forgive our brother. We would always seek revenge. We could never love our enemy or pray for our persecutor without the spirit of Christ's cross 
in us. So this is a present tense gift that Jesus is giving us. And this, of course, is probably one of the most difficult of all the spiritual and moral truths of the Catholic faith, that we are to love those who hate us. We pass over it very quickly in moral controversies in our church. We tend to go more toward the political, the healthcare ethic controversies, the sexual ethic controversies. But this powerful teaching that we are to love our enemies is probably the most noblest of all moral teachings. And all too often we are quite quiet on this. We are quiet on it because we don't understand it. We don't understand it because we think it has to do with our emotions. And it doesn't. It has to do with our yielding to the power of the cross that wants to take up residence in us. Only out of that power can we love in the way that Jesus loved. Can we pray in the way that Jesus prayed? Secondly, in 2608, Jesus tells us that we are to pray in secret to the Father and that we are to speak to the Father with substantive voices, that we are not to chatter away in some kind of noisy superficiality. In fact, you get a sense from Jesus that words are not really even necessary, especially stringing words together. We are to talk to the Father in the secret of our room. The mystics, of course, immediately refer to this room as the heart, the chamber of the heart. We are to go in, and we are not to string our words together in some superficial monologue, but we are to await the word that rises from within our heart. And in waiting for this word, when it comes, we receive it, and we receive it in gratitude. Here is the simplest formula, if you will, for interior prayer that Jesus himself is setting out for us in the scriptures. Go into your heart and wait for the word to rise in you. Now, of course, all the masters of prayer have taught us that one of the struggles here will be with distractions. But we don't make it a violent struggle. We just welcome the distractions as they come. And when we are aware of the distractions, we simply set them aside, waiting again to receive the kernel or the nugget of the word that the Father wants to give us from within. And then to receive that word, to have communion with that word, to latch on to that word, if you will, and to keep receiving intimacy with the Father by way of the word that has been given to you. This could be a word from the Mass, could be a word from Scripture, it could be a word generally about virtue. Whatever the Lord is giving to you, you cherish it in the moment you're praying and you keep receiving his presence through the word. There will be some times where perhaps you will simply receive his presence through the silence. Just being. Just like an, an old married couple, just wanting to be together and having to say nothing. When my wife and I were first married and we'd go to dinner and we look at tables where elderly couples were, they didn't say much. 
And we always looked at those tables in horror. Oh, dear God, please help us always chatter and talk away until we're dead. And we felt that that silence was a sign of a infertile, dried-up love. But the silence can be a sign of such a deep communion, of such a deep oneness, that their being just speaks to one another. And here it is true, too, in prayer, in a nuptial way, that Christ's intimacy, God's intimacy with us, may not be carried by a word. It may just be carried by his being. And so Jesus invites us to go into the heart. Don't talk so much. Receive the word that the Father wants to give from within. And then finally he says that we should practice forgiveness from the depths of this heart. And this heart should be pure, meaning that our heart should be seeking the will of God above all things. If we have areas of our life where we are seeking revenge, that we have not yet attained love of enemy, Jesus reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount to forgive from the depths of your heart. Forgive from the place where the Father has forgiven you. That's all he's saying. All of us are forgiven under the cross. Jesus is simply saying, treat others as the Father has treated you. Pray that you can forgive people from the depths of your heart. And what will be your gift? The gift given by the Father will be your liberation. We all know that we are bound when we do not forgive. We're bound to anger. We're bound to the past. We're bound, basically, to sadness. Pray from the depths of your heart. Pray from that place where you yourself have already received forgiveness from the Father. Don't be a hypocrite. In turn, forgive. And he couches this in the context of purity of heart. And this a lot of times is reduced to a sense of chastity or related in some way to sexual ethics, and that's too narrow. To have a pure heart is to do exactly what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. Seek first the kingdom, and all else will be given to you. Seek first, in this Sermon on the Mount, he's trying to tell us, God. And from your communion with God, out of that communion, your head will be screwed on straight. Your heart will beat in new ways. You will become singular. You will seek one thing. You will become simple. And because you become simple, happiness will be yours. And so he brings us deep into the heart. Forgive your brother. But he doesn't just leave it there like an an ethical law. He opens it to the wonder of the mystery of already having been forgiven by the Father in the mystery of Christ. Forgive from your heart because you have been forgiven. And in the wonder of that, keep receiving that forgiveness of the Father. And that reception, that ongoing reception of forgiveness will purify your heart.
will simplify your heart and will gift you with happiness. And so, paragraph 2608 opens up for us the entire Beatitudes, the entire Sermon on the Mount, in such a way that we understand that prayer is more gift than task. Prayer is something more to receive than to work to master. And so let's become people who see prayer as the great gift that God wants to put in our hearts, not something that we have to learn through technique or skill. Open, receive, and let him live his prayer. Let him live his life over again in you. We'll return in just a moment to Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer, with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. 
We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Communion with Christ. Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. This is an ongoing relationship. This is an ongoing process. And truly, in 2608, the conversion of heart that Jesus insists on, just the word conversion means a continual turning. I wonder if sometimes we hear that and we think, okay, I'm, I'm converting, and that there's some type of endpoint that we'll be able to attain. But in this particular instance, it's not something that we're going to be able to attain in this lifetime, is it? No, linking it to the word conversion is so important because of the confusion of a denominational conversion. And whenever we say, well, I had a conversion, we think of a, of a single act. I left one church, mm-hmm. went to another. I left atheism and became a believer. There, one act. No, in the Sermon on the Mount and throughout the spiritual tradition of our church, Conversion is that metanoia, it's that continual turning. But more so, it's a continual turning toward receptivity. This is the key. If you have a prayer, you prayed once this morning, and we think we're done. Mm -hmm. The prayer that you prayed is always available to you with a simple turn of the will or the turn of the mind into the heart again. It's not as if you stop praying. It's not as if you, you ever um, become separated from the very fountain of life, which is now coursing through your veins. God is keeping you alive by his will to stay in communion with you. We just simply need to begin to recognize that that beautiful prayer that you began your morning with today, that could be yours again at lunchtime, It can be yours again, driving home in the car. All you have to do is turn. All you have to do is move within. And he's there again for you. And of course, this is the beginning of the life of contemplation. The contemplative is never separate from God. Because the contemplative has come to learn and believe that God's will is to never be separated from us. And so, conversion is ongoing until we die meaning that the potential to receive the ongoing presence of Christ at every moment of our life is what life is about. We are not to say prayers, we are to become a prayer. And of course, this is what we mean by sanctity. And that same note, 2609 of the Catechism, talks about once committed to conversion, the heart learns to pray in faith. And I think there again, the language is so important. 
the heart learns to pray in faith. So often we hear the term faith as something that we've received, and there, I have faith. It's that ongoing, it's the, the constant living out in prayer, isn't it? The heart learning is such a beautiful expression here in the Catechism. Notice that it's not a schoolhouse type of learning. When you connect the word learn with heart, we're not talking here about taking more classes in an academic sense. We're basically very close to the mystery of Christ, wherein we understand that Jesus learned what it means to be a son by what he suffered. The heart learns to pray by rapt listening, by obedience. The heart learns to pray by listening. And this listening can be a suffering because the listening is not to what we naturally want to listen to. We naturally want to listen to this ongoing monologue of the ego. That's how we're born. It's harder for us to make a shift to listen to the other, God. Because in the beginning of our conversion, God is a foreign agent. We're not comfortable with God. We see God as the enemy. We see God as bringing frightening things, like the end of our consolation found in sin, which is terribly frightening to us. How will I live without my consolation found in sin? Every time I suffer, I run to my consolation found in sin. Jesus comes and says, sin no more. Jesus is threat. And so the heart has to learn to trust. The heart has to learn to have faith in some other reality beyond the old ways. Can you entrust yourself, can you entrust your heart to Christ, who first will crucify it, your heart, and then with the Father in the Spirit will raise it to the point that you will say, at one point in our existence, how did I ever live without prayer? How did I ever live without a daily deep communion with Jesus. It is as if I am a new creation. And of course we are. We are made new by the Spirit. That's where our hope comes from. Jesus says that if you seek Him, if you knock upon Him, He is the door. If you knock upon Him, if you seek, the door will be open. You will find what you're looking for. And of course, what we're looking for in faith is a relationship. In the early stages of our conversions, we're always wondering, if I pray with a certain depth of belief, will I get the money I need or the house I need or the job I need? As we grow in maturity, we realize, and this is a great conversion, that if I ask and if I seek and if I knock, I will not just get a house or money or a new job or health. I will get heaven beginning here on earth because that's all that prayer is. A sustained communion with Christ is simply the beginning of heaven. And of course, the Western question is, is that enough for you? Is the beginning of heaven on earth enough for you? Are you knocking to receive a relationship 
Or are you knocking just to get more stuff? Are you knocking to surrender and entrust? Or are you seeking just to satisfy more of a passing desire or mood? Even in our coming to prayer, Jesus wants to purify our motive for doing so. And this is not unusual if you look at the nuptial example again. Most of us marry for mixed motives. We don't necessarily have pure motives when we first get married. A lot of the self is involved. But as we live together, as we listen, as we exchange wills and hearts in the daily life of being married, we are purified. And we begin to see that so much of what I was seeking for and knocking upon and looking for in my marriage was just about me. But now, over time, I see that it's about her or it's about him. And this is what happens in our prayer life, too. I so wanted to know Christ because I wanted to get stuff from him because I was lonely and I was afraid and I was lost and I was confused, and maybe this guy can help me. But over time, I'm coming to communion with him in prayer because I just want to be. I want to be someone who gives the heart to Christ. And this is the great maturity of prayer. And when we mature to that level of prayer, after all, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You've already begun heaven because you just want God. And you want God because for all eternity, God has simply wanted you. You've been listening to Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Communion with Christ, Practical Prayer with Deacon James Keating.